Hello, you've reached cellular voicemail from Mark Woods. I'm away from my phone right now, but if you leave a message, I will call you back as soon as I can. Good day. Hello. Uh, hello, is Don there? I'm sorry, you must have a wrong number. Oh, I'm sorry. Please leave your message for 84745. This is Don. Just wondering if I have any messages. Thank you. Hello? Do you have Prince Albert in a can? This is Don. <laughs> You're supposed to say this is Don. Oh. <laughs> yes, I do, by the way. Uh... <laughs> Oh, and this is Don. Do I have any messages? <laughs> yes, let me yeah. just call for you, Don. <laughs> you Hurry. Hang up. No, no, it's not. No, no. Hang up, hang up, hang up. Hang up? Yeah. Hurry. You want me to hang up? He knows it's us. You don't want you want me to really hang up? <laughs> he knows it's us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna hang up. Is your refrigerator What's going running? On? Is your refrigerator running? Yeah, it's out of breath. <laughs> We thought we'd do some. We thought we'd do some prank phone calls to our fans. <laughs> how'd you know? How'd you know? How'd you know it was us? Uh, well, I have to recognize Jeff's voice. <laughs> it is. I do have that that sort of voice, don't I? <laughs> so we are recording you. Is that okay? If you have to, yeah. Yeah, we gotta we, we gotta yes. fill we gotta fill airtime, you know, Rick. This is what passes for entertainment on our show. We've really <laughs> we are really scraping really the good. bottom of the bucket. <laughs> if you're calling me, yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks. We'll, we'll let you get back to work. <laughs> no problem. Bye. All right. Bye bye. Hello. May I speak to Tom Barkalo, please? You have him. Mr. Barkalo, is your refrigerator running? <laughs> is your refrigerator running? Evan, God speaking. May I speak to Dennis Donovan, please? Speaking, how are you? This is a nice surprise. What all on this pleasure? Mr. Donovan, is your refrigerator running? No, I put it in a Prince Albert can. <laughs> I think he knows it's oh, us. Wow, well, what a nice surprise. How are you? We're, we were just making prank phone calls to some of our listeners, and uh, so we wanted to say hello. Oh, well, since you were being so honest, shouldn't it be like a Frank phone, phone call, something like that? Yeah, it's a Frank, <laughs> a Frank prank. Or an earnest call, something like that. And rank, because it's so, not very good. Thanks for the call. Take care, guys. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, 
everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Two Half Squads. I'm Jeff. And I'm Dave. We are here once again for episode number one, blah, 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 blah. 185. Uh, something like that. Yes, indeed. Under, we're getting close to 200. And today is uh, Monday, 16th of October. Yes. 2017. Right. And this is a momentous day. I can't remember why, though. Oh, I think this is on this date in 1946, if memory serves. Um, Hermann Goering uh, took his own life. Just a couple of hours before he was going to be executed. Is that right? No, but today is the okay. day 10 Nazi leaders were hanged. Oh, okay. That's, yes. well, Goering yes. killed he, himself he killed right himself before earlier. Was it that much earlier? I think so. Do you want to fact check that, Jeffy, look, while yeah, I tell I'm everyone about my trip to Texas? Yes. I went to Texas, and it wasn't for the tournament, as we all know, but I had a uh, a Christian counseling. My wife's getting this uh, degree from CCEF. And they had a they had their annual convention. Are you asking me? Is that the right word for that? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a like, gathering, like a... Gen Con, but ah, um, a convocation, a convocation. Let's call it that. Nobody knows what that is. And, Let's call it that. And it was in Texas, so uh, I went ahead and told my wife I'd go with her. She said, "Could you go with me?" Took two days off work, flew into what? Texas. Yeah, Thursday, Friday. Thursday got into uh, to the airport. So uh, we, which could, was we not, could do Aslock. We could do Aslock. Rich flew down. It's yeah. like a two-hour flight. No, I don't I mean, know. I mean Aslock. Oh, no, I'm sorry. When did you go on this thing? This weekend, which was okay. not Aslock. Not that was Aslock. last weekend. Yeah, okay. Right. Aslock is too close to Columbus Day for you to go. Oh. Is that it? Right, but I won't be working in two years. Oh, yeah, me neither. <laughs> yes, you will That's be. Right. But you could take off the time. No, I'm going to I'm going to be done. Excellent. I'm going to be retiring and moving on to other endeavors. Yeah, you're right because by the, June of 2019 I told you that was my oh, goal. Oh wait, you know what? This year the Columbus Day we did not have it off. That would have been a perfect weekend to take the day. I wouldn't have had to get special permission. Yeah. Oh, so maybe <laughs> next year we might not have Columbus Day off again. We'll work on it. And which means I could take a day. Yeah. Personal day and not have to have a special thing. I'm going to go to Aslan. Yeah, well, you remembered that that was the policy. Yeah. Oh, so anyway, yeah. We, we flew into the airport near Dallas, and we went to Dallas downtown. We did DFW, the... Dallas-Fort Worth. Yeah, flying into DFW. Yeah, I think that was used there as yeah. an abbreviation. And we and we learned about JFK. Hmm. So we went to the book depository. Oh, you did? Museum on the sixth floor. Whoa. Yeah, and the grassy knoll area, much smaller than you imagine from the Zapruder film. Uh, so, yeah, I learned a little history, and my wife's boss that was not with us, another guy from the church was with us, and his wife, so it was the four of us, and uh, they checked in with their boss, Tom, he's a big food guy, and loves food, and so they said, where should we eat? And he said, I'll check with my brother-in-law. Well, before he got back to us, we went ahead and went to the Sonny's barbecue thing, mm. and sure enough, guess what restaurant? They recommended we go to Sonny's Barbecue. Yeah, and we were already in there enjoying a wonderful barbecue. How about that? So, and basically the weekend was a lot of uh, meetings, you know, a lot of uh, seminars. So you listen to speakers and all morning you get a nice two-hour lunch break. And so then we were off to try and find some place to go. That's the way to go. It was really great. I'd like to be uh, in a murder trial sometime. Because you get a long lunch break? They get a long lunch. I'd get a very long lunch. I probably don't want to be the guy on trial. No, you'd want to be in the jury. 
Yeah. Yeah, you'd want to be in the jury. I mean, two-hour lunch. I Here, when I'm working from home, I usually... You eat while you're standing up yeah, at the computer usually, station. I'll just crack open a can of sardines and some crackers. Yeah. So we ate, also was recommended us to go to Hard 8 for you guys from Texas. Ah, why does this sound familiar? I don't know, but it was a fantastic barbecue place again. Hmm. And, you know, they in Texas, sorry, they don't do... You know, they don't put all those sugary sauces all over them. Oh, good. Yeah. I get tired of that. I, that's why I don't really like some of the barbecue places around here because it's too sweet. They, yeah. I don't like that. Totally. They, they just do so the... So they don't. They don't... It's not a lot of sugar. No, it's huh? either a rub. Yeah. It's not even a sauce. Oh, really? Oh, no. Not at all. Oh, that's just nice. truly smoked, you know? Yeah. Mesquite oh. or hickory and delicious. So Heart 8 was yeah. amazing. And then there was this place called Mashes or Mashup or something. And uh, they had a, like a garlic burger thing, oh. buttery and oh, amazing. Dave. Yeah. And then finished off with catfish at Babe's Chicken. Does that sound right? Friends from Texas? Which was built like kind of like going into a Disney ride when you're in the waiting area. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> you know, with a reconstructed chicken coop and old barn and, yeah. you know. Uh, yeah, like you're waiting to get into the mountain ride or the the water ride with the, you know, recreated kind of thing. Yeah. But amazing food. Catfish. Got my catfish there. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. What a nice trip. That was it. And uh, no time to know. These people who go to work on these weekends, right, they always tell you. I say, how was you? Wow, great. You got to go to this foreign country. How was it? Well, I didn't see anything. I had to work. Yeah. It was a little like that. Yeah. So, but did, you were, did you attend the thing too? Oh, I attended. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. I skipped two, uh, one session a day to grade papers ah. that I brought with me for school. Yeah. yeah. But still, that's nice so, to get away. Yes. It was still enjoyable. You had the hotel, you had the morning uh, omelet where they make it for you. They got, they got everything to put in there. I, my wife does that every Pick day from for the me. list. Oh, lucky you. Yeah. Come on over. We've got an omelet station all the time. <laughs> She's manning the omelet station starting at six. Yeah. Every morning. Yeah. Are you joking? Yes, I Yeah, a little bit. Because I'll make omelets on the weekend, but yeah. I make enough to last during the week. There so you go. You get several days. Of, yeah. So I'll put in like eight, ten eggs. Yeah. Make a big one and then. Yeah. So what, what's up with you? Well, uh, I had my anniversary. You know, we had Friday the 13th. Uh-huh. Octo- it was October 13th. And there was a full moon. Uh-huh. Which is unusual for a full moon to appear. So it was a full moon on Friday the 13th, which which is unusual. And the last time that it happened was in the year 2000. And that was my wedding anniversary. Just thought you should know. Excellent. October 13th. Actually, I have two wedding anniversaries. Because? Well, we got married on a September 3rd and uh, had a nice wedding and everything. Minister was there. Gave us last rights or whatever you call no, it. No, it wouldn't be. It could it's be that. It could rights. be that. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> had a wonderful time, but we forgot to get a wedding license. And so <laughs> we weren't official. So on October 13th, we got our wedding license. We finally got around to getting it. We called the guy that did the ceremony. We called a couple of friends that were nearby, and we went down to the beach in, at Lake Michigan and watched the moon rise because... Uh, off Lake Michigan, we were looking off to the east. It was a beautiful night, and the moon rose, and it was a full moon, and it was uh, Friday the 13th. Wow. 
So, I don't know. It means something. I see a bad moon rising. Yes, and it was. I see it was beautiful. trouble on the way. How do you get your head to do that? Don't go around tonight. But that wouldn't be trouble. Yeah. Wonderment on the way. One of the songs I Joy. can actually play on the guitar. <clears throat> well, feel free to go get it. Yeah. And uh, do you know what the address is for the Munsters? Uh, 1313 Mockingbird Lane, I believe. Yeah, very good. What's the word for fear of the number 13? Ooh. Desatertiary phobiaceous. Tridiscophobia. Oh. What's the gestation period for camels? For camels? 13 months. You are correct. Really? Very good. Wow. How about that? Well. What are you drinking tonight? Uh, not much. I've got my little flask here. Look at this. I gotta show you this. I got I this from. Uh, it leaked, didn't it? Oh, good guys. I got this from my friend. This is given to the wrong guy. We, yeah, we. <laughs> me and my two friends from high school get together once a year, and we have Good Guys Ditch Day. We take the afternoon off. Though oh. they don't ditch anything anymore. I still have to ditch work. <laughs> we take the afternoon off, and we pick a day, usually in October, and we go to the forest preserve and. Walk through the woods and we drink out of these little flasks, which is illegal. I just to walk, want to, point it's, out. To, to walk in the forest preserve. Yeah, you can't be drinking in the forest preserve. Really? Yes. Read the sign. It's only, uh, I think it's only if you have, uh, if you invite the animals. You can't drink with the animals. <laughs> Got to leave them to their own behavior. So yeah, so I'm going to have a Alrighty. little swig here. Mm-hmm. Well, and while you do, Jeff, why don't we have a word from our sponsors? Ah, Dave. Oh, Jeff, this is fantastic. Can't believe we're here. Cuba, beautiful Cuba, Havana, the the home of Ricky Ricardo. Cuba Libre! It's beautiful here. That's what they yelled. Cuba Libre. When the Cubans gained their independence from Spain. I love just strolling the streets of Cuba. You find the most amazing stuff. Look look at this. A a game store. A game store. What's that in the Look window? Is this a game on the Cuban Revolution? It's Bounding Fire Productions. ASL here in Cuba. Here in Cuba. Thanks, Obama, for opening up the trade with Cuba. Wonder which came first, Obama or Bounding Fire? Oh. They may have opened the door to this whole new era. They have all these great Bounding Fire products. It's great. They've got Into the Rubble. Into the Rubble, too. Into Havana. Into Havana, also. Crucible of steel. Crucible of very hot sauce. I'm loving this hot crucible, sauce. Crucible of guacamole. Telling you what. Beyond the beachhead, too. Blood and jungle. Can't look at this. You Every can... single amazing Bounty Fire product. Who would think, coming all the way to Cuba, we would find all this great ASL stuff? Wow! I know what I'm going to be spending my money on. I'm taking back all these stinking cigars. <laughs> I'm going to take me home some Bounding Fire. And you know, and if, if they charge for these games by the pound, these Bounding Fire products would be the most expensive. But they're not. This is an amazing bargain for your, for your money. And you know what the truth is? You don't have to go to Cuba to get Bounding Fire Productions products. How can we get them, Jeff? Just go to BoundingFire.com. Tell them the two half squads sent you. 
Oh, Jeff, Jeff, are you ready to go to Mayhem in Manila? I sure am, Dave. I've got my bags packed. I've got my passport and my hat. Do you have your OBA cards? No, I don't. How would I get some? Why, you'd have to go to Ritterkrieg and order some. Ritterkrieg? I don't know anything about it. Tell me. Well, this is the great online store of ASL equipment. ASL wooden gaming products like dice towers, custom-made tabletops, an ammo box map and map case, and all kinds of ASL products. You can order yours today and have it shipped to Mayhem in Manila. I wow. I'm going to get all that stuff. I know what I'll do. I'll tell my wife I can't afford to take her, but I'll take all my Ritter stuff with me. But Jeff, you might be able to take her because a donor has donated our air flight <laughs> to Asia. Sweet. All right, then this is the best thing that could happen. I can take my wife, I can take all my Ritter Krieg equipment, and we're going to Mayhem, Mayhem in, in Manila. Manila. And these OBA cards aren't the crappy kind that we sold on our podcast. No. These are those really cool quality ASL OBA cards. It's a gigantic deck of cards that it, you can use for all of your OBA requirements. All of your OBA requirements. And do you know what makes ordering from Ritter Krieg the best option for any pre-orders? Tell me. They have free shipping. <gasps> Impossible. Take that, MMP. Well, that's a beautiful thing. So, how do we get to... Uh, order this Ritter Krieg stuff? Well, you simply go to Ritterkrieg.com R-I-T-T-E-R-K-R-I-E-G dot com. I'm heading there right now. See you in Manila, Dave. See you in Manila. We do appreciate those sponsors, and as long as we're talking about sponsors and people are falling asleep during this part of the show, because uh-huh. the rest of the show is so it's exciting. Oh, yeah. There are other ways, you know, that you can... St- uh, support the two half squats. So we should mention these. For instance, you could go onto iTunes and give us a good review. We would appreciate that. Tell us how great we are. And that won't cost you a thing, folks. Doesn't cost you a dime. You can uh, write us a letter and tell us how great we are. We'd you, like that. You can go to the website and click leave a voice message. And tell us how great we are. Mm-hmm. You can do that. Or you can send us money. I think that's a better way. What is Send us money. Send us money, yeah. Then we don't care if you think we're great or not, as long as you send us money. Can listeners still click the donate button on the website? It yes, goes to PayPal. Absolutely. Yeah. Goes to PayPal. You don't need a PayPal account. You can use a credit card without having a PayPal account. Or you can support us on Patreon. Go to Patreon, P A T R E O N dot com slash the two half squads and you make a pledge. It's kind of like the Jerry Lewis thing. Yeah, it's like a telephone. But different. Make a pledge. You pledge like a dollar an episode. And we only, we won't publish more than two episodes a month. It would be highly unlikely. Yes. So maybe, you, you know, $24 a year will cost you to support the two half squads. And that keeps us enthused because we are driven by money. Yes, we are. We are not so... It's not the love We of are this. not above it. Now, you can, all, can they also pledge $2 a show, $5 a show? Sure, as much as you want per show. Excellent. Yeah, you could be. It could be a hundred dollars a show, and then just do it once. That'd be fine too. But well, that'd that, be dumb. Well, then, Jeff, what else do we have coming up today? We have a great conversation coming up with our good friend Rich Spilkey, who we just can't get enough of. But he he was he just went to Aslock, 
and would like to report to us about that and a couple other things. So let's go talk to Rich. Here we go. Hello? Richard Spilkey. Hello, Rich Spilkey. It's the Two Half Squads. Wow. I'm just shocked you call. <laughs> Is your refrigerator running? Uh, I'm not sure. Why? Because we were making some prank phone calls today. It was really yeah. fun. Do you have Prince Albert in a can? Very good joke, Jeff. Very, very classic. Yeah. We've been having fun. We tried calling Perry, but uh, he doesn't answer our prank phone calls. I thought I thought uh, the last time Perry said that he, you know, is often standing by the phone waiting for your call yeah. in his pajamas and smoking his, his evening pipe. Yeah. We must that's have caught him. Uh, well, and that's where Prince Albert in a can comes in, because that's a very fine uh, pipe-smoking tobacco. You know, Perry said hi to me at Aslock. Uh, what? Un, uh, unprovoked. Whoa. Uninitiated. Um he said hello to me, and I, um, of course, I responded in kind and was pleasantly surprised. Did he call you by name, or did he say hello there, you? Hey there, you. I think he called me by name. I want to give him credit for that. Hey, uh, guy. Really? Yeah, he, he said hello, Rich, and I, I was uh, did a double take. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> I was very happy about that. Yeah, that, and the more times you're on the show, that your fame is growing. I, I heard yeah, you at work. Did you have that. a work encounter too? Yeah, let me tell you about that real fast. So I was actually in uh, Lansing, Michigan, for a work meeting, a little conference, and there was a uh, another person there who I had never met before, about my age, roughly, and he was a consultant representing some of the industrial customers that we were working with there. To make a long story short. And I approached him in the middle of the conference because he had brought up a topic, you know, work-related that I was interested in asking him about during one of the one of the intermissions. And I came up to him to talk to him about that. And he's like, aren't you Rich Zilke on the Half Squad uh, program? I've heard you before. Are you an ASL player? And I said, yes. And it just blew my mind oh because my gosh. <laughs> I, I just, uh, you know, like in my mind, I don't know if I'm like other people this way or not, but I compartmentalize. In other words, work is work and my hobby is my hobby. And I don't, you know, mix them in my head. They're, they're separate boxes in my mind of concentration. And I was in my work box. I wasn't in my squad leader box. And so it really blew my mind. It just, I, I've never connected those things like that before. So it was a real mind, mind stretch. That is wild. So he's from the St. Louis area, not from Michigan, but this happened in Michigan. That is, I mean, that's that crazy. That is crazy. I always figured that would happen someday, but. Uh, a lot of times when I go into restaurants and stuff, um, you know, the waitress will take our order or something and and I'll uh, sometimes I'll say I'll say um, gee it's nice to go somewhere where people don't recognize me right and boy does it throw them off they're like oh, <laughs> I, oh I'm sorry oh are, are you are you somebody <laughs> yes I am it's up to you to figure out who well you, you guys obviously are on the program you know 100% of the time I'm only on at a small percentage so I'd imagine if you did a lot of traveling, you know, around for work or for conferences, that might happen to you more often than you think. Yeah. And I probably should travel around more. I'm going to start traveling around more. So look for me, Rich. 
Maybe I'll just tag along with you when you're going on one of your interesting uh, office outings. I think I shared with you guys a while back that like a few years ago, I was at ASLOC and I was just getting there and I was just, you know, getting out the counters for a scenario that I was going to play with my friend, Robert, that I've told about before. Yeah. And we were just minding our own business and just getting out counters and chatting and getting ready to go. And there's this group of about four guys that were a couple, three tables over that kept staring at me funny. I felt weird. They just kept looking at me just like more than normal. I always kind of like that when that happens to me. But a lot of people don't know how to handle the no pants thing. (laughs) It was very strange and just a little awkward. I didn't get it. (laughs) And then eventually one of them come up to me and then they were they had Australian accents. They all did. After they started chatting with me, I realized they were obviously from Australia. Oh, yeah. And they're like, aren't you Rich Spilkey from the Half Squads? And they didn't know what I looked like because they had never seen me before, but they had heard my voice on the show. And so they were, uh, you know, whatever. They heard me talking to my friend and recognized my voice. And that's, but I didn't know who they were from, you know, from never having heard their voice or met them or anything. So it's sort of, that was my first uh, brush with celebrity because of you yeah. guys. That could be, you know, Rich, I hate to... I hate to say it, but that might be your 15 minutes of fame that Andy Warhol said we would all have. Yeah, it could be it. That might be it for you. You've reached the high point. Yeah, I think it was only five minutes, so... Five minutes of fame. Oh, man, that's even worse. Yeah, you might. Maybe have ten more coming, or maybe that was it. It might be at your funeral, though. (laughs) Oh, boy. Which would be... Which would be bad. So, well... That's not very nice, Jeff. Jeff's very much Well, that his, might be a while. He's very much into mortality lately. Yeah. I think it's because he turned 70. I've been listening to a lot <laughs> I've been listening to a lot of goth music. <laughs> you should see him. He's all dressed in black. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff just wants me to uh, will him and my will the uh, my my uh, del- my boards that are, you know, 33% larger. That's yeah. What that's, oh, right. yeah. That, oh. that's right. I better start treating you nicer. That's right. But yeah, I'm going to start starting next week. But for tonight... Yeah, you had been to a... You went where we couldn't go. Or where we just didn't go. You went to Aslock. Tell us about that. Always like to hear about that. You And, and you and I haven't talked. I know you called me on the way back and uh, wanted to fill me in, but I kind of wanted to hold until the show so you could just tell it to me fresh and just uh, maybe if you could take a few minutes, tell us of your adventures in the beautiful city of Cleveland. Well, yes, I always try to call you on my way back because I'm usually so pumped up and excited Yeah, that uh, I have, you know, eager to share with you what happened and uh, wasn't able to get a hold of you this time, but I can share it now, as you say. So, yeah, again, it was, I don't know how many people were there. I don't know, but it was, it was you know, the usual pretty big crowd, probably 140, 50-ish is my recollection. So certainly, uh, you know, at least as big as most years. And, uh, you know, still going strong. And, and Brett Hildebrand does a great, great job of keeping it organized. I mean, he, uh, yeah. first of all, he takes a whole week vacation, you know, and doesn't even get to play and, run, you know, runs the tournament. He's got, you know, the grand tournament, the, you know, the Grofas, if that's what they still call it, for the grand champion. Uh-huh. But he's got the USA versus the world tournament on the front end. They have at least 16 or 20 mini themed tournaments mm. that are like three round eight person uh mini tournaments with a theme you know desert theme night theme uh you know pacific theme what have you 
different themes, early war, you know, you get the point. Yeah. And he runs all those. I mean, and then, you know, not to mention just the general free for all going on in general and people selling products and, and the food and, you know, just everything. It's, uh, it's amazing that he, you got to take your hat off to him. It's really a lot of work. Uh, he's an unsung hero. I'm taking my hat off right now. There you go. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, so my experience, you know, is, you know, what I do, which I think I've shared with your group before is, uh, I guess I really generally don't play in what, you know, in the grand tournament. I, I set aside that, that week to get together with a friend and we plan, you know, way in advance and with different, different people, different friends to play like big scenarios. I, and then we have days to complete them and we plan ahead and we get all the counters out and we figure out any rules, questions we have m- months in advance so that we're ready to go and can take advantage of our time to play. Yeah. And so, uh, so this time I uh, played with a friend named Jeff DeYoung from Michigan. Oh yes, we know Jeff. And we played, and I played this before, and I've shared it on your show before. You know what happened when I played this with Robert Banizik? This was that uh, series of scenarios, U thirty six, which is called Operation Switchback, mm-hmm. and U thirty seven, which is called the the Schwelt Fortress, and then U thirty eight called Clearing the Breskin's pocket, which combines those two together into one big giant. Yeah, those didn't we talk about those before in a previous show? Yes, we have. I yeah. went on and on, so I don't need to describe those again because we talked about those a lot before. But that was a great story. That yes, was, the it last was. time you played, that was a, so, just an amazing story. So just to, just to uh, you know, because I I don't I, I keep like I guess I I don't know what what the word is, but I'm uh, a glutton for punishment because I tried again. <laughs> And I won U36 pretty readily, pretty solidly, and that makes me a little bit better stead to win U37 because there's pieces and counters and turns that carry over. So if you do well in the first, that sets you up better for the second. But I knew that I had to do well in the first because we all know what happened to me in the second one last time with the devastating OBA and the yeah, it was just you know just heart crushing. And uh, so I knew I had to come in strong. And so what happened was um, it just got to be too much, I mean, for both of us. It was just a grind. It's really kind of bigger than a campaign game, really. I played some campaign games now, and this is actually bigger than that when you really, you know, add it all up. And so we really only got about halfway through. We got to turn 17 out of 34 and we both were exhausted. I mean, I, we, we decided to call it a draw. You know, I think I would have won, but, you know, with 17 turns left, who's to say? Who knows? Yeah. I think that was plenty of time for me to do what I needed to do, you know, barring anything else. But I was just way too exhausted, and so was Jeff. And so we kind of just agreed to call it a draw. I and that, that was that was on Wednesday. I think this is a sign of our aging, Rich. Yeah, could be. Could be. It's just really hard to carry in, especially when you're on the tack and you got to concentrate on so much. Yeah. So I guess the lesson I learned is it's okay to play big scenarios at Aslock. I'm still not, you know, I still think that's a good idea, but this was just too much. I need to tone it down a couple clicks, and this is just, you know, just too big. Yeah. This is more meant to be played over, you know, leaving it set up and played over a period of weeks, you know, with an opponent that wants to 
go down that road with you for some time. Yeah, I think that's correct. Yeah, you got to have those breaks in there for those big ones. Uh, was Jeff uh, kind of on the same page? He, he kind yeah, of thought yeah, it was totally, enough, yeah, for, totally. enough for we, him, we, too. Yeah, he totally felt the same way, and we agreed, mutually agreed. And he, uh, he also wanted to play in the mini tournament the next day, and so did I, because this was Wednesday that we made this decision, and the minis start in earnest on Thursday. So, uh, so he played in a mini tournament. I'm not sure which one he went into, but I played in the deluxe tournament, deluxe board size tournament. And it's not that I'm crazy about deluxe. I'm not. It's not like my favorite thing or anything. It just so happens that last year I entered it for fun, and I was able to actually win the deluxe tournament, you know, with the eight player format that they have. And so I thought, well, what the heck? I'll do it again since I'm the defending champion, so to speak. And you needed the money. Yeah, well, yeah, the money. The big money, yeah, the money there's, like, a, there's a big purse in that one, isn't there? Yeah, I'll, Ten I'll, bucks. Share, that. I'll share that with you later. Yes, it is oh, okay. uh, significant. I had to call my CPA and yeah. <laughs> see if there was any special tax uh, payments I might need to make in advance yeah. to comply with the law. <laughs> so uh, I entered the deluxe tournament again, and I played a scenario against a guy from Montana whom I'd never met before. Oh, wow. Where in, sorry, where in Montana? Any idea? Yeah. Well, who knows? It's a big oh, state. Okay. Montana, I figured it's close enough. Yeah, okay. Uh, but I don't remember his name. Friendly He's guy, so nice guy. But I did the scenario a little bit better than him. He had never played it, and I think I had played it before. And and um, I was able to uh, to win that one pretty solidly, just you know from familiarity, if for no other reason. And then the next scenario I played was against good old Larry Zoet, who a lot of people know. He's also from Michigan. Not Montana. I don't think I've met him. Yeah, he's a friendly guy. He's uh, he's pretty well known on the circuit. He travels all over the place and goes to a lot of squad leader events. And he um, he and I played uh, Mayhem in Manila, which is a classic scenario that a lot of people know. And the the tournament rule said that the Japanese get the balance. So apparently, someone felt that it was slightly pro-American, and therefore the Japanese should get the balance. I feel that it is a balanced scenario, and therefore I prefer the Japanese side because if you're going to give me the balance, then I, I felt like that would give me an edge. Yeah. And, and, and he must have felt otherwise because when we drew for sides, I picked Japanese, he picked American, and, and that was that. So we both got the side we wanted. And, uh, you know, I have a, a setup that I think a lot of people use. It's not, I don't think it's a secret but because that scenario is just so well documented and so well played that you know you hip your medium machine gun with a crew and a nine negative one leader in this particular level two building and then when the americans enter there's a particular hex that you can bore sight and if he goes through there without throwing smoke or anything it's a minus five shot you know minus two in the open minus two bore sight and minus one leader it's a four down five ouch oh yeah and i've played this you know a lot i played the scenario a lot as the japanese and five times my opponents have moved into that hex with a minus five shot. And I've gotten, and remember now, Japanese machine guns break on an 11. And I've gotten 12, 11, 11, 12, and I think once I got like an eight. No way. Uh, the best I ever had was eight. On that same shot at the neg five? Yes. This is over a period of, you know, many years of playing the scenario. So take it off. there's no rate of fire then. You can get rid of fire, but not when you roll that high. Right. <laughs> All right. So this time, it's not like I wiped them out or anything, but this time I rolled what I'll say normal. So here's what happened. It was really interesting. <coughs> Excuse me. 
He moved into an adjacent hex with a couple of squads and a leader that was not boresighted, but it was still open ground. And I thought to myself, well, you know, I should take that shot. It's a minus three shot, which is still darn good. Maybe I'll get rate. Maybe I won't. Maybe he'll move into the boresighted hex later. Maybe he won't. But I got a minus three shot on two squads. I should take it. So I did, and I think I rolled a six with rate. I had rate. And so that became a three on the four chart. So it was like a two check. And, you know, I can't remember exactly what happened, but I think a couple squads broke and the leader might have broke two with a two check. So that was good, but I kept rate. So then he did armored assault into the boresighted locations hex with another couple squads and a leader. Hmm. So because he had done armored assault, it was plus one for that, but minus one moving, minus one leader, and minus two boresight. So again, it was another four down three when he added all together. And I think I rolled a seven-ish, not rate. And again, it was like a one check or two check or something. I can't remember. But anyway, uh, it broke a couple guys. I can't remember exactly what the, but it didn't really kill anybody, but it definitely, you know, broke a number of guys and slowed them down a bit. And so I felt like, you know, that was pretty good. So I got two minus three shots, which helped. But of course he came back and did some good things and rallied back and came on. And, but to make a long story short, I was able to, to win it at the end, uh, you know, because I did have that balance of that extra half squad, and that extra that actually made a difference. And so that happened. And then in the final, I played against uh, Mike Zemetz, who's a good friend of mine from Wisconsin. Not Michigan, not Montana. Okay. And I know Mike, and he and I played a lot. And he's beaten me most of the time. I haven't beaten him very often in my career with him. He's, he's a great player. He's he's won uh, a lot of a lot of mini tournaments. I think he's won the ASL Open at least once. He's a very good player. And and I, we were playing a scenario that I had never played, and I sensed that he had because he seemed to know it pretty well, and he seemed to be very comfortable with you know which side he wanted. And it just ended up, based on our random scenario pick, that we played this scenario. It was a British-German scenario. The British uh, is an early war, like in France, like in 1940-ish, uh, I guess. And he was on defense. I was on the attack. And, you know, it was just really slow going. He uh, he had a minus one leader directing this medium machine gun in the back that was really hampering my infantry to get forward. I had a lot of tanks, but he had some anti-tank rifles. He got a critical hit with an anti-tank rifle, which obviously cranks its to kill number from five to ten, which is huge in this game when your armor is only two. Oh, yeah. You know, that makes a massive difference. Then I kind of got desperate, and I drove a tank into a building to try to uh, cut off some route paths. But, of course, I got a six on the blog check, and the tank disappeared into the cellar. Nothing was going my way. I was tired. I was exhausted. I still hadn't recovered from the thing the day before with Jeff DeYoung. And I was getting ready to throw in the towel. And then Perry came by. I got I to gotta sing Perry's praises one more time. And he, he give, goes, give you a little kiss on the cheek for luck? Well, he came by, again, it's just really uncanny. Not only did he say hello to me earlier in the day, he came by to see our scenario and see what's going on. He goes, ah, oh, the Germans have the advantage in this one. And I thought to myself, I'm getting creamed. I don't feel like the Germans have an advantage. I feel like I'm getting smoked. But he, but he kind of guilted me into continuing the game. <laughs> no, he, he does that all the time to people just for fun. 
Well, he kind of, you know, I was really on the one yard line of throwing in the towel because it just didn't seem like I had a chance. And I'm like, well, it's a, it's the, for the championship of the mini tournament. And Perry says it's pro German, even though I don't feel like it. Um, and sure enough, I came back and I inched my way back and I cut off some route paths here and I, uh, got a hero here that did some good stuff. And, um, anyway, I ended up winning. I ended up winning. And Mike was wow. so, he, Mike was so sad and so upset, you know, because he felt like, uh, oh, you were just ready to throw in the towel. I should have let you. And, um, anyway, so I came back and I was able to win. So wow. that was okay. kind of fun. Manipulate you. He did. <laughs> yes, I think I was I was influenced by uh, by Perry, so yeah. I gotta take, take my hats off to him. Yeah. The, the luck of the Perry. Yeah, about I don't that. think he realizes how he inspired me. He is a very inspiring individual. <laughs> he is. That, yes, he is. Then the next day, I had the most fun of all. Um, and, and this, I, I, I don't want to reveal too many details on this because it's going to be coming out in the Bonsai magazine coming up here. Mm-hmm. And I don't know when, in like in a month or so, give or take. And, um, you know, Robert Banizek and I have been working for months on a crossfire piece, and there hasn't been a crossfire piece done in, in, in a while. Right. I think we mentioned this on the other show. Yes, we did. And so we've been working very hard on this, and we've been analyzing the scenario very thoroughly. And we, uh, we have already written, had already written 16 pages plus photographs, you know, with this crossfire, really analyzing it to death. Mm-hmm. And me, I like to do statistics and yeah. percentages. And I'm hoping that players, especially new players, find it valuable to, if they take the time to read this and go through it, because it'll give them an idea of the kind of thing they should be thinking about, you know, when they play a scenario like this. And it's not a big scenario that we analyzed. It's very, very kind of a smallish one, actually. Anyway, so we did that. and We we felt like we were done. We went back and forth. We edited it. We felt like it was done. And then we thought to ourselves, hey, you know what would be cool? We're getting together at ASLOC. Why don't we actually play? the scenario using the tactics that we both just got done, you know, encouraging people to use and and arguing on behalf of. And let's see what happens. Let's put our money where our mouth is. It's never been done before. As far as I know, there's never Mm. been a crossfire where people actually sat down to play and then try to remove all doubt about who was right. Yeah. And so we sat down to play it and we took lots of notes on what happened each turn and, you know, sure enough, things didn't go exactly the way we had forecast them to because, you know, the dice don't cooperate. And so we explained all that. And, man, it went back and forth, and there's eight game turns, and there's a victory option for the – he was the Russian, I was the German. There's, a, there's an option for him to exit with victory points. There's also an option for her to, him to get a certain amount of casualty points, and he can win either way. He can choose which of those victory conditions that he – you know, wants to fill, and it came right down to the very last game turn, and he could have uh, either exited or gotten the casualty points. He he had both victory point objectives as possibilities on the very last turn, so it was really exciting. It really came down to the end. I don't want to ruin it too much. I've already said enough. Yeah, yeah. But I really encourage people to read that when it comes out in a month or so. And uh, so that's another 15, 16 pages. So it's going to be like a 30-page, I don't know how it will translate into the bonsai page format, but it's 30 page of Microsoft Word. And so we'll see. It's uh, quite a epic. It really was exciting. I mean, it was hair on the back of your head, kind of, it was crazy. Well, not hair on the back of my head. 
Okay. I had hair. Jeff's <laughs> got hair. I'm kind okay, of how about, hair, your how hair. about goosebumps on your arm? How about that? Yeah, yeah or my chest hair. Okay. We'll oh, go yeah. with that. Well, so that sounds, anyway, yeah, that sounds, that's that's something yeah. to look forward to. I'm looking forward to reading about that. Yeah, well, it's going to take a long time to read 30 pages, so. Yeah. Well, I'm a, I'm a slow reader, too. Yeah, it's really going to take me a long time. But now that sounds like uh, sounds like you had a good time. Yeah, and, it was. And that's and, why I was calling calling you if you were yeah. just going to answer your phone if you weren't too busy. Yeah, I'm a busy man, Rich, you know. Stuff going on. And and Jeff doesn't like to talk on the phone much. I don't really Which, like actually, to talk I don't on either the phone. much. Yeah. I like now I like it now. Yeah, but, recording is yeah. lots of fun. It's hard for me to to break sometimes from work cuz I get my head gets very in work and I can I can barely talk to my wife if my head's really in it. Yeah, I understand. I, get, I, I feel so that way too sometimes if yeah. I'm, you know, really into my an yeah. issue or I'm trying to fix something or address yeah. something. I understand. So did you see uh, when you were at Aslock, did you see lots of people using the spooky tables? Well, no, I can't say that would be the case. But I did hear a couple people say that they looked at them and they liked them. I did have a couple of nice uh, comments from a couple of folks unsolicited. So I felt uh, felt good about that. Yeah. Maybe next time, or maybe for the ASL Open, we'll print up a bunch of copies and uh, just bring them to people. Just get them out. And our two half-squad stationery. Oh, yeah. We'll just distribute them. Well, that's not a bad idea. I'm open yeah. to that. The more people use them, the better, as far as yeah. I'm concerned. Yeah, I think they're great. So. Well, thank you. Yeah, and I, and I liked that. Uh, you know, I, it's funny because I talked to, whenever I last talked to you a few weeks ago, you had mentioned that you had this article in Bonsai last year, and I had actually forgot to read that Bonsai because they've kind of, it's it doesn't come out as often as it used to. It's the last couple of issues have just been there. There was only one in 2016, so I forget. So I had forgotten that you'd written an article for Bonsai, so I uh, I loaded that up and I read through that, and I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about it today because Rich, I couldn't understand it. Really? And you know what it is? It's, uh, and I thought this might help other people. It's reading through tables and stuff like that. I'm not a statistics guy. Reading through it was difficult for me. So I thought, and though I thought it was very well written, it's not that you didn't explain it well. It's just that I don't absorb it well. So I just thought we could talk about it. You could tell me what it is, what it is you did. Well, I'd be happy to do that. Well, it started actually with my rules tables. Yeah. Where I added uh, the latest official rules table that I have is uh, table number 28. And I think you've got the rules tables uh, on your website as well yes. as the, uh, the Texas uh, um, folks also have it posted on their, right. on their I, website too. I can tell people what the URL is. I made a short link for it. So if you go to it's bit.ly. So it's a bit.ly link bit.ly slash T2HS for the two half squads. T2HS Spilky, S P I L K Y. So you go to bit.ly slash T2HS Spilky, and that'll take you right to the rules table so you can download them. I know people who are listening to this while they're driving are going to want to do that. Right. I'm sure they're typing feverishly away as they yes. pull over the side of the road to yes. uh, write that down. Yeah. And they're also posted at the TexasASL.com download website, too. Yes, they are. And so Table 28 is basically a table. There's no statistics in Table 28. It's just an explanation of the rules yeah. where you can 
or must take the back blast, or if you have the option to uh, declare opportunity fire and uh, avoid the back blast by firing in the advancing fire phase instead. And it's just a list of all the different terrain types of when backblast applies, when it doesn't, and when you can take advantage of that, that optional way of firing. And that's all that is. But in, the, but in, in doing so and making that rules table for people to uh, use as a reference of when and if backblast pertains to them in different kinds of terrain, I got to thinking to myself, well, you know, when should you take the backblast? And when are the odds, you know, whatever, you know, exactly what should we be measuring to dictate? If it, is it worth it? Is it worth the risk? What type of guidance can we give uh, regarding this? Yeah. So I didn't do, you know, anything really super fantastic here, but I just did some basic. I don't think anyone's ever studied this issue before, as far as I know. And so... You know, just to refresh everyone's memory on the rules, if you take the back blast, you don't have to add two to your to hit roll, but then the colored die roll acts as a uh, like a like a one firepower unmodified yeah uh, attack kind of thing attack or... against everyone in that location. So if you have more than one squad doing this in that location, it, it could affect more than one unit. So the worst case scenario would be you got a one on the color die roll, which I think is a K slash one result. And if you get a six on the color die roll, that's no attack on your uh, on your location, but you're probably going to miss the uh, the target that you're aiming at, you know, depending upon what the two hit number was. So if you have a copy of the article, it's actually uh, Bonsai. Let's see, it's it's a volume twenty two, number one. Right. And that's from, from from March of this year. Yeah, from March of 2017. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's right on the second page. I think it starts. And so the first table I created was just a simple little table saying, hey, what to hit number do you need without the backblast or if you accept the backblast? And then, so for example, if you need a four without the backblast, that means you need a six if you're willing to accept the backblast. And that increases your two hit chances by 25% in that example. And so I went through the whole, you know, gamut of potential to hit numbers two away from each other and calculated the percentage differences. Cause as we all know, each die combo is not necessarily the same because some happen more frequently than others. So I did that. And then I uh, said, okay, so if you get a, you know, one through six on the color die roll and that affects your unit, obviously the K slash, you know, hits you no matter what your morale level is, doesn't matter. But if your morale is six, a one morale check or a normal morale check is more painful than if your morale is eight. You know, yeah. just common, common sense. And so I defined a pin result is not bad. So if a pin happens, that's not a bad thing. But a break is bad, and obviously the K slash is bad. So if you agree with my definition of bad of a bad outcome, then I calculated based on if your morale level is six, if your morale level is seven, and so on and so forth, and with the die roll being one through six, having those outcomes, what are the odds of a bad thing happening, you know, meaning a break or a case slash? Yeah. So, if, so, so, for example, I got table two there that says if your morale is six, you have about a 50.5%, 50.5% chance of something bad happening. And if your morale is nine, 
you know, it's only 28.7% chance of something bad happening. And bad could be either a K slash. Or a break. Or a yeah, break. Or a break. Okay. Okay. And, and the, uh, the K slash happens when the colored die is a six. Is that right? No, a one. A one. Okay. Yeah. Cause a one on the one firepower table is a K slash one. Oh, right. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Now I'm following you. Yep. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm just loosely defining bad, badness. Yeah. And, you know, because because now I'm going to combine these things together, the odds of increasing your two hit chances compared to the risk you're taking that something bad happens to you, and then combining those two things together. So table three divides the increase in two hit chance by the percentage likelihood to break or K slash something bad. This is where I started to get confused. Right. I can understand that. It's, yeah. it's not super easy. you, you got to concentrate on it a little bit here. I tried to make yeah. it understandable, but it's easy for me because I'm the one who right. created the tables. Right. So, you know, then I went on to explain, and I kind of color-coded it, where I said, hey, look, you know, the yellow areas in table three are the only areas where your two-hit chance goes up greater than the odds of something bad happening. And that doesn't happen very often. That, that only happens when your morale level is nine and when you're raising your to-hit number from five to seven or from six to eight. So that almost never happens. If, if that's your, that's the only time you chose to take your back blast, that would be almost never. So I was a little bit more liberal in my definition of, of what would be a, a good time to do it. And I, I, chose, I, I chose to say, well, you know, anytime your uh, odds are, you know, better than 60%, you know, proportionally, that would be, you know, acceptable risk to take is what I, you know, argue. And again, this is my own opinion. This is my own. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing hard and fast here. This is my, uh, my opinion, my, you know, you, others might feel otherwise. But if you, if you agree with my opinion, then the green areas are the areas where it's worth the risk. And so if your morale level is six, there's only two, two times two two-hit chance situations when it's a good idea to do this. Same thing when your morale is seven, there's just two of them. But when your morale is eight, there's four of them. And when your morale is nine, there's six of them. Yeah, you're going to stand better. And that makes sense. I mean, that's sort of common sense. But then I went on. This is where you might have gotten confused, Jeff, because this, this gets a little uh, strange. I went on to say, well, you know, that's interesting and it has to do with, you know, if you look at table one again, table one is just the straight odds of when, um, you know, the higher proportion of the, you know, getting the four or the six or the five or the seven. Right. For example. But now table four looks at things differently. Table four says, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn this thing on its ear here in a minute. Table four is what we call the relative percentage to hit chance by accepting the backblast penalty. And when I mean relative, I mean, let's just say you need a snake eyes without the back blast. So that's a one in 36 chance. You know, we all know that. Yeah. But if you take the back blast, you need a four or less. Well, that gives you, and, there, and there's five ways to get a four or less. Uh, there's three ways to get a four, right? And there's two ways to get a three. So there's five more ways to oh, get a, a three. Yeah. Than there is to get a two. 
So if you look at table four, that's saying that there's a 500 percent, you know, this is an extreme example, more likelihood. It's the relative uh, percentage increase. Yeah. So it's changing the perspective from the absolute increase in percentage that we did previously to the relative percentage, which is a whole way different way of looking at it. So table four talks about that. And so then if you do the same thing, if you divide the increase in the relative percentage by the percentage of, you know, something bad happening to you in table two, that didn't change. Table two didn't change. Then you get a whole different spin. And table five looks very different than table three. Mm-hmm. With the color coding. It, it definitely skews it to the left. Yeah. Uh, and now there's a whole bunch of yellow areas where, yeah, you should go for it. You know, if you agree with this theory, then you would go for it a lot more often. And even, even, so there's very few white areas where you wouldn't go for it. So if you believe in that, you know, then you would go for a backblast a lot more frequently. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, that's what we did. So to make a long story short, you know, and I go on to explain, you know, there's all kinds of other things besides these statistics that go into your decision. You know, how much, how important is this situation? Is that AFE super important to destroy at this time? Is it the end of the scenario? Is it the beginning? Do you really got to have that infantry unit there? Or is it, is it not that important? Can, can he route back to safety and, and rally if he does break? You know, these are all the things a person will need to weigh in their mind above and beyond the strict percentages. But Anyway, I just thought it would be fun to have a reference point, and I doubt anyone's going to stop their game and say, wait, I must consult this article to see if I should accept the backblast or not. Yeah, but they might. I mean, would you? Um, no, I wouldn't stop my game, but in my head, I sort of have, I mean, since I made the numbers, I sort of have it in my head here that there is this trade-off, and certainly the higher morale and the increased odds in the middle of the chart from four to six and five to seven and six to eight, anything that has the seven involved or the six or the eight involved is where your odds increase more. So sort of in my head, I kind of had that in my head that I would accept the backblast more readily in that, in that, in that situation. Yeah. You know, one time I got to share this funny story. I was playing a uh, couple of locks ago. It was actually a deluxe. It was the deluxe tournament two years ago and I was playing somebody and he had a Panzer Shrek manned by a crew in a building and he took the back blast and he got the absolute worst role you could get. He got a 10 with a four on the color die roll. So the 10 broke the Panzer Shrek and the four was a normal morale check and he rolled a 12, which killed the crew. And so a few minutes later into the turn, he was prep firing other units and prep firing this and that. And in his mind, he decided, well, okay, now it's getting confusing. I need to put prep fire markers out because he wasn't using prep fire markers. We were just sort of winging it. But then he realized he needed prep fire because now he was going to go into movement phase. So in his brain, understandably, he knew that that unit had fired and he went to go put a prep fire marker down. And the expression on his face was so funny. Because the Panzer Shrek was gone and the crew was gone. It was an empty hex. <laughs> and he went, went to put a prep fire oh. <laughs> on an empty hex, which I thought I thought that was just, just the expression on his face that in his mind a prep fire marker should go there, but there was nothing to put it on. It's very poignant, actually. So, yeah. Anyway, I felt sorry for him. That was unfortunate, <laughs> fortunate for me, I guess. 
you know, I could really use that table because I thought if you had rolled snake eyes, it's a one out of six chance on one die and a one out of six on the other die that it maybe it would be two out of 12 chances. Mm, I see. So my math is not adding up for one out of 36, you said. Well, it's a good thing that you're a, a history and social studies uh, educator. <laughs> <laughs> I get, okay. I think I understand this now. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna go through this again because I would like to understand this because there's a lot of articles that uh, about ASL that cover the statistics in this, and I always get lost in them. And I always think I'm just gonna sit down and read this. I remember when I was learning about how back in my former life when I was into the audio business, learning how digital audio converters worked, and I I had to sit down and read it ten times till it finally sunk in. And I know there are people that just love this stuff, which is why you wrote this article, because there's certainly a certain number of people that are appreciated already. But uh, others, uh, I just hope others get something out of it, too. And I want to be one of those. So I'm going to I'm going to read this a couple more times. I'll let you know how it turns out. All right. Well, feel free to uh, ask me questions later if you want yeah. to. I'd be happy to explain it. It is a little it's a little uh, on the heavy side. Yeah, a little bit. But I should be able to get this. I'm not a complete idiot am i dave i don't know i got it pretty much the first time i read it <sighs> I hate you guys well thanks for that richard interesting very interesting yep thanks very much yeah my pleasure and uh i think we've got a show already here so uh we're gonna thank you for your time thanks for being okay. thanks for being you- with us so appreciate you taking the time rich yep. filling us in on it all right well, and uh, i look forward to talking to you and playing soon you bet. Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. All right. Take all care. Right. Thanks, Rich. Take Rich. Okay, goodbye. Right. Bye-bye. Rich makes all that stuff sound so easy. He sure does. I can tell that he spends a lot of time thinking about it while he's driving and traveling and and whatnot. Uh-huh. So, uh, good guy. Yes, always indeed. Good, always good to hear from him and love those rules tables and all that stuff. So, great. Yep. And at that point, we'll sign off. Yeah, call I think we'll show. call it a show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We're going to see you again next time because we are not going to stop doing this. Not right now. No. We may go. I mean, episode 200 is coming up. Are we slowing down? Uh, well, we had a little scheduling issue for the last couple of weeks, but. Yeah. We'll but have another, another show at you yeah. in another week or two. We may get to all, so, all the way to 201. We should get to 201. No. So. Thanks for remember listening. Remember to roll low. And rally well. But, but not, not when, when you're, you're playing, playing us. us. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. I'll put in the music.